This is George Skivington. You're listening to the Cherry Jam podcast. Welcome to episode five of series four of Cherry Jam. It's just myself, Ed Price, and James Eastwood this evening because it's a very brief podcast. Uh, no Gloucester game for obvious reasons this weekend um, due to Worcester's uh, demise or apparent demise. Um, but what we will do is talk about the coming weeks because there's some really important weeks uh, for Gloucester coming up. Um, touch on the um, open day that occurred this weekend and how good that was. Um, from a from a club point of view and from sports point of view, um, but we'll firstly just touch on the one bit of rugby that Gloucester did play in the last seven days, which was away at Bath in the Premiership Cup. I know Snowy didn't catch the uh, the game um, uh, on on Twitter or on Radio Gloss, but uh, it was a win, Gloucester bonus point win. So that's two bonus point wins. Although obviously the Worcester one probably won't count. Um, and it's another win away against Bath. Isn't it amazing, mate? When you know you think back to the sort of early 2000s, all those miserable years of going into Bath and never having to win, never never being able to win. Yeah, I mean, let's wait for Saturday. I don't think <laughs> the I'm not chalking the Premiership Cup up as one of those big victories, but um, it does look like, speaking of Bath, it does look like they're in a hole, they're in the same hole this season as they finished last season, which is great news. Um, currently below a club that, potentially don't even exist, can't fulfil fixtures. So it's, it's possibly even a darker point than any what they were at last season, which is quite entertaining. Yeah, the, um, the, the only difference I think this season is they seem to be able to score points. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still think defence was their biggest issue last season, mind you. Yeah, true. <laughs> no no organisation whatsoever. Um, no. So hopefully that's still the case at the weekend. Um, and actually, we're... we're we're not even playing any games and we're still sat quite nicely in the league. Um, so in a way, it's like it's quite nice sometimes being, behind, if it hasn't impacted the team too much having the breaks, being behind a bit on games because you've always got a bit in the bag. Um, so if we can still be, if we can be in a decent position still with one or two games in hand in a few weeks' time, then yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I say, I mean, the reason for the pod this week was really for me and you. I was hoping that maybe Jim could join us, but apparently he's on a bus to an airport. Um, so, uh, although that would have been entertaining. Um, but yeah, the, the reason for the for the pod this week really was just to talk over the coming weeks because we all know um, how important getting a good start in the season is. Um, this season has been a bit odd, having a bye week and then, as we said before, two weeks, two, uh, two points away to Saracens is normally a really good result but context as we said last week suggests that it's not it could have been a lot better um so our next four games we've got Bath away as you mentioned on Saturday um and uh, we've got to be going there with confidence surely with yeah. the result from last season both results from last season the way that you know we're still I think in a good place from a from a, a rugby point of view um would you expect us to really be coming away with that, at least with a win? I mean, I'm not sure about bonus points, but at least a win. Yeah, I mean, bonus points, the bonus point thing is a bit odd these days because there's so many artificial pitches. It's 
the the amount the the average score per team per game is a lot higher than it was a few years ago. Mm. So now it's it feels like you're almost penalised for it being a good tight defensive game, as opposed to the whole idea of the the bonus point was that you're still trying to play. You're not just killing the game when 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 you're up or you know keep there's always something to play for and there's always something to keep the game exciting but i don't think that's the case anymore because there's a decent chance you get four tries even in the losing side a lot of the time mm. um and i don't think i think it's rare that teams go for tries over points purely because of the bonus points so it, it feels like it's almost a default a lot of the time now so yeah I, the the bonus point that it's more of a tell as to the type of game that we're a part of than it is the particular sort of thing about our performance. Um, but I'd certainly expect us to win. And we should be going there trying to play, not trying to be too defensive and, and give them opportunities to come into the game. We should be more ruthless and going out there to get move the ball around. If you make a couple of mistakes, forget about them and just know that you're the better side. And if you play rugby over the course of the game, you're going to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, the one thing, Last season and even this season, the big Achilles heel Bath have got is penalties. I mean, they give so many penalties away. It's it's quite incredible. Um, they're not they're not playing quite the same uh, from what I've seen of them. They're not playing quite the same style of rugby. I mean, last season it was run from everywhere and they got turned over, and uh, you know they 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 just basically were making the backs do all the work and the forwards were getting mullered everywhere. That's kind of still the case. There seems to be a bit more tactical kicking going on because um, we've said before that, you know, you kind of need to. But um, as you said, the, 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 for me, I agree, we should be going down there with confidence, which is a weird thing to say about Karnatabad <laughs> for so many years. And I fully expect our next week's pod to sound horrifically depressing because, you know, that's the nature of being a Gloucester fan. But um, you, you would, I think we'd all be very disappointed based on our sort of upward trajectory and the way the Bath have been playing, if we didn't come away with a win. And I agree with you, bonus points is an interesting thing this season. Uh, well, last couple of seasons, really. Um, it used to be that you'd have to kind of really earn a bonus point, I think. Yeah. Um, but I say, you know, we almost assume we're going to score at least two tries from a driving mall every game. And then it's just a case of maybe eking out a try here or there or, or, you know, feeling off a mistake and, and going and getting another getting another uh, couple of tries. So I think, especially against Bath, you need to move the ball around because they're not they're not that well structured defensively. So no. if you're just playing a simple game, it's simple to defend. If we move the ball around, get get Atkinson bringing players onto the ball, then I think um, we'll find quite a few holes. Yeah, I think the other big thing for me was um, in the Prem Cup. Actually, was quite I think it was quite useful as a guide to probably what the coaches need to look at. Um, we kind of got bogged down a little bit, certainly in the first half, at trying to just overpower them with a rolling ball. And actually, every time we we did move the ball around, I mean, again, we are f- working off Radio Gloucester commentary and and then you know extended highlights, but it did appear every time we tried to move the ball around, we did look really dangerous, as we've always said. Um, so hopefully that does give them a bit more... Uh, confidence that all right, you've got the rolling ball there as a backup, but if it isn't quite working, we can try and move the ball a bit. And actually, that'll, as you said, their defense is so unstructured. Um, that should hopefully give us opportunities to to score tries. Yep, yeah, um, and then Bristol at home, 
Bristol at home is an interesting one because Bristol have been going really well and then had an absolute shocker against Newcastle. And I watched the game. I, I Normally, I don't really watch um, rugby on a Friday night. When the game's on a Friday night, I tend to not really pay much attention unless it's Gloucester. Um, but I had it on and I watched it. And uh, Newcastle were really good value for their win. Bristol, they were poor. I mean, that's probably one of the worst performances I've seen them put in for a while. Um, just mistake after mistake after mistake. Um, look really lightweight. <laughs> It's not an easy place to go and play, though, is it? Ever Newcastle, especially no, on a but, Friday night. No, but I just think you know Newcastle. They got they got hammered by Worcester, and I know there were a lot, there was a lot of emotion in that game that probably carried Worcester to a point. But Newcastle have got have got some decent players, um, but Bristol are a better side than Newcastle, I would say. And, and and I was surprised by how poor Bristol were. Now you'd expect a reaction in a couple of weeks' time. It's going to be a big game. I imagine it will be quite a big crowd as well because it's a Saturday, three o'clock kickoff, I think, or it might be a five o'clock kickoff, but it's a Saturday. And we've missed a game. And we've missed a couple of games. So you'd think, you'd think that um, there'll be a fairly decent crowd there for a a local derby. So hopefully that is the case. Bit of atmosphere um, and we can, and we can push on. Um, The the key bit for me here is again, is it, it, well, keeping the ball really as much as we possibly can because they're, they've still got a very dangerous uh, back three, back line, yeah, Bristol. The, Bristol, you've got... The, the key thing about Bristol is you need to have more possession than them. Yeah. Um, don't don't hand them position because they have got so much danger when they're attacking from deep. Um, I think when the game is a bit more settled, they're not so good. Mm. Um, and again, I think across the two teams... Uh, especially with the sort of form over the last year, we're the better side and we should be going in confident trying to play rugby. They're, we don't want to be inviting them into the game. We did that last year yeah. um, when they had a really poor run and we we just invited them to attack and attack and attack. And when we changed it up, we then looked good. Um, but yeah, I, I really hope we don't don't start a game again thinking let's give give the ball to the opposition and let's see what they've got. Let, let's be a bit more confident in our own abilities. Yeah, I think I certainly agree with that. I mean, the, the I went down to the Bristol game last year, and uh, to give them a was it seventeen point head start or whatever it was, um, it was criminal because uh, you know really we played rugby for forty minutes, so first uh, sort of second twenty of the first half, uh, first twenty of the second half, and then just kind of tried to hold on. And as we said before, and as you said last week. Um, that game plan is da- is a dangerous game plan against sides that, despite their form, have got a lot of skill, ability, and talent. It's certainly in their backlines. You know, th- these guys are there's some really good players Bristol have got, and uh, you know you've got to be careful not to give them opportunities to get back into the game. Yeah, um, yeah I think I, I mean the one thing I would say I, I feel more confident this season. I mean, obviously. Saracens aside, but the Saracens are, as we saw this weekend, 50, putting 50 points on Leicester. That's a ridiculous result. Um, and, and it shows you the strength that the Saracens have got again this season. Well, they've um, only played one other game. Well, yeah. But what I'm saying is that, so I suppose, Saracens look like a very, again, they look like a dangerous side. Yeah. And you can see them doing that type of thing to what they did to us. You know, they just blitz you for 20 minutes and you just got to kind of do as much as you can to hold on. Um, I I think Gloucester have got a, a 
bit more of a backbone, or it seems to be they've got a bit more of a backbone. Um, I'd just like them to start better. I mean, the last couple of weeks have been, even the Bath game, we started okay first five minutes, and then most of that first half, we were just really poor. Um, and I know it's Prem Cup, but it's the, it's the same sort of thing. You, 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 we should start better, we should continue that through the first half, and then not have to look to try and come back in the second. Yeah. Um, the next game coming up is Irish away. Now that a tricky, is tricky fixture. Yeah. So again, I think if you look for player for player, team for team, I would say Gloucester probably in most in nearly all positions have got a, a better player than the Irish team. But I uh, London Irish, one thing they do do it, they, they play a very attractive running style. Um, um and you know, I Hassel Collins is on fire at the moment. They've they've got um again they've got obviously the other young lad on the other wing. Um, you'd hope Arundel, isn't it? That's the one I'm thinking of. I mean, I just hope again. We we it's a Friday night. It's got proper banana skin. We don't turn up with lit written all over it, and you just feel yeah. You you've got to defend really well against London Irish because they they are a momentum team yeah. and they they will move the ball around, look for gaps and. Once they start to feel like there's lots of holes, then um, then they can be quite dangerous. But yeah, if if we can sort of we we need to sort of strangle London Irish. And, yeah, yeah, get the rolling balls going, play play a bit more of a conservative game, not get drawn into into their game of throwing it around a lot. So quite different to what I've suggested for the other two fixtures. Yeah, um, I think I I don't I mean I wouldn't say necessarily conservative because I say Russ and I went last year and it was. Probably the worst forty minutes I've seen Gloucester play under <laughs> George Givington, but um, and as soon as we had a man simbined, I think it was Ben Morgan got simbined, where we actually had to kind of keep the ball. Um, maybe that's maybe that is maybe just stop kicking the ball away again. Yeah, them. I mean that's just that's probably stop. yeah. Because <laughs> because what we should be worrying about is whether we're playing we have quite a bit of flair and taking risks or whether we're playing for position and territory and things like that. But both of those rely on you having the ball. Mm. Well, what, what I don't think is ever a good idea is kicking the ball to the opposition and hoping you're def- defended that somehow that means you're 10 metres further up the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's a time to, the time to kick away is where that's going to play in your favour because you're under a lot of pressure or you're pinned into the corner or, or whatever, not just because you've run out of ideas and you're only mm. on the second phase. Do you know what was really interesting? We'll come on to the sort of um, support day, uh, open day training um, they had on Saturday in a minute. But it was interesting. Were, I saw Ben Meehan uh, um, do something that I'd never seen him do on the box kick. So it was set up all ready for the box kick. And then suddenly he peeled off. So he took the ball, went the other way and played his, and, and, and put a fantastic crossfield kick, 50-22 in. And I'm like... Why don't you do that in a game? For Not allowed. <laughs> I was like, but he did, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if we do we see that in the coming weeks because it 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 definitely worked. I mean, obviously, even Gloucester, like obviously the way they set up, they the Gloucester players knew that it was happening. Yeah, but it was it was a yeah, it was an interesting. I I thought it was an interesting little um, deviation away from what we normally see. But again, we'll probably never see it until last game of the season when we're forty points up or something. Um, but yeah, so I think Irish is the, of the four fixtures. Irish is the one I'm thinking. Uh, I could see it's not getting any points there. Um, and then finally, we've got extra at home at the end of October, uh, Halloween weekend. Um, so again, a Friday night. 
Uh, I'm traveling back from Yorkshire that day. So that'll be a nice long, long day for me. Um, and I've, they're the, I would say probably if you're going to pick a bogey team, they are that bogey team, aren't they? Um, no. <laughs> I, uh, I, what I mean I, is, I what I mean is that, that we we should. There are times when we probably should beat them, but they seem to always find a way to beat yeah, us. Yeah, I mean that's what's good about Exeter, right? Is that they they can adapt as a game goes on, and they're always working hard, and they're like they're they're a tough team to beat. Like you need to be on on your game. But I think at home we should again, if we've really got top four aspirations, a game like Exeter at home, we should be thinking right. This is a it's a it's a home game. It'll be a big crowd. There'll be a great atmosphere. That's where we should be, like on top of our game from first minute to the end. Yeah. Um. You know, I, I, I think that is more of a, uh, should win game than Irish away. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. That's exactly that's absolutely fine. Um. Interestingly, though, of course, it's the week before the autumn internationals kick in. Um. So it'll be interesting to see what team. Uh, is is available? Um, because I'm not. Ent- I'm never entirely sure what the rules are. So whether whether England will say, uh, can we not? Can you not play all these players? Obviously, Hog will be available because they're Scottish and they don't. You know, they they have to do what we say. But um, I I don't know. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Oh, actually, no. Hog might not be available. Actually, it's um because it's Scotland Australia the week before. So that's an interesting one. Hog might not be available, um, but yeah, there's, there's, it, it, I, I think it'll be quite interesting to see what selections we've got there. We're not going to lose probably too many. We might lose Chris Harris, I suppose, and but Hastings is an interesting one. Is he is he out of the picture at the moment? Um, in terms of number, in terms of ten, it, it depends on how they set up their bench. Yeah. Um, he's been in and out of the bench, hasn't he, for fixtures over the last twelve months or so? So, I think, I think that, I think it would actually be quite a big loss for us, um, because I think he has really settled in, settled into being consistent ten now. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, we've got players to come back as well. The RGs. Um, well, we do, but difference. then we do, but then they're playing the awesome internationals. Yeah. So we probably won't see them really, probably before. Just you know, just before Christmas, um, which is a shame, because um, Carreras and Alamano are probably some of our most consistent players. I mean, Carreras is probably one of our better play, best players, but um, and, and on on Argentina and the players, uh, it does appear that the uh, vaunted um, medical joker replacement um, Vivas. Um, is apparently injured, so that, that's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> apparently broke his arm or something, didn't he, against New Zealand or something? So um, or South Africa. So uh, yeah, standard, isn't it? Gloucester managed to sign a re- injury replacement who then gets injured. Um, mm. But there we go. Uh, but on that, we'll move on to just talking about the the fans' open day again. I know you weren't there; you were obviously up in up in the north. But just to sort of give you a, you yourself a bit of a guide of what happened. Um, I think just over two and a half, nearly three thousand people went along to watch a training session, um, which in itself is a bit mental. I mean, we talk about other clubs struggling to get um, crowds and and the tent- people coming into into grounds to watch actual games, and Gloucester can get nearly three thousand people to watch a training session. Um, 
uh, I did see uh, a few players we hadn't spotted this season so far. So um, Kirill was uh, there. It did look it was him. Um, I can't I can't remember the other player. There was another player there as well, um, and uh, Jamal seemed to be training out uh, sort of a, away from the Gloucester rest of the team, possibly with niggles and injuries. Um, but overall, a really great day and um, well put on Gloucester. Probably the best news of the day, and I'm sure you'll agree with this now, is, I'd get your take on it as well, um, is um, Freddie Clark re-signing. Um, uh, adding, I think he's got another two, well, it'll be another two years to his existing deal. So um, that's going to take him into his 30s. So it's an entire career with us pretty much. Oh, blimey. I didn't realise he was that old, actually. He's 29, apparently. Yeah. Which is, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I, you know, I, I know we all know that Russ um, loves him to bits. But your opinion on Freddie Clark signing again? Yeah, he's a great player. I mean, I, he's not someone that I would have thought was a risk of moving somewhere else. Mm. Um, and I don't think he's sort of on the edge of any uh, like international call-ups or anything. So I think he's a player that you definitely want to want to get signed on just simply because you can play him so often, um, and he's so reliable and consistent. So yeah, re- yeah, good news for sure. Yeah, I mean, as we always say, don't we? We when, when we play, we were a better team with him in with him in the side, um, and he's definitely he's you know he's versatile. He can play second row, back row, um, and uh, yeah, he's a key player. I mean, he, he in his interview yesterday he mentioned um, you know he's keen keen to be developing his sort of kind of role within the group as a leader and his leadership capability. So it wouldn't surprise me that uh, he isn't becoming a future Gloucester captain in a year or two. Um, I know that obviously Lewis Ludlow is the captain and I think is firmly the captain but it's nice to have another player of that ilk um, in the group who can you know lead because we're going to lose we're going to lose some players uh, you know leadership players in like people like Ben Morgan and Billy Twelve Trees in the near future so to have someone else like a Freddie Clark who's not going to go off and play for England probably uh, although it would be lovely if he could but um, that's going to give him a that's going to give us a lot of um yeah, it'd be good news going forward. Um, nice and sharp, mate. I think we've done well there. That's 26 minutes, I think, so far. But anything else you want to just sort of touch on in terms of sort of uh, wider rugby stuff? We can talk about the Worcester stuff or uh, the continued nonsense that we've got going on in terms of, like, you know, crowd sizes are still down. And Any thoughts just generally, mate? I'm, I'm happy to. Um, I mean, I think, yeah, I think we we sort of covered those bits off, haven't we, on previous mm. pods, I think. Crowd sizes, I say, I don't, I don't think it's a rugby thing. I think you, you look across all sports, crowds are down. Yeah. Um, attendance is things like gigs and sport and um, you know, marathons and things you take part in as well. At, at events like that, it, crowds are just down everywhere, and there's there's cost of living crisis. People aren't sure what the next couple of years are going to look like, um, so everyone's just keeping still for a while while things settle down. Um, mm. Politics, obviously, a complete mess and shambles. So <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that people are just being a bit more careful with their disposable income. Um, but I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it again later this season. the The big question is whether Premiership rugby needs a complete shake up, or whether some clubs just need to take a long, hard look at themselves. Um, because I think, I think when you look at football, there there isn't that much trickle down money in football. You've got so if you take let's say League One, which is probably the close, the Premiership is probably somewhere between League One and Championship in terms of crowd sizes and fan bases and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree with there's, that. There, there's loads of clubs there that are 
completely self-sustainable. And when when there's clubs that go under and screw up, it's always their own fault. You can always explain why it is they've they've had they've got too excited because they've had a bit of short-term money come in, or they've taken some big big risks to get to get promoted, but haven't put the foundations in place to be able to support it. And yet those leagues are still pretty solid, thriving leagues with good fan bases. So I think I think the existing teams in the Premiership can be can make for very attractive rugby that's well supported with sustainable clubs they just need to look at how how they put the things in place with the existing clubs to sort of secure that going forward so things like for starters fit and proper person test for I mean that's a club that that, I mean, that is an absolute basic necessity and it's taken football 20 years to even get close to being near it and they yeah. still aren't really I mean, it's a no-brainer that we do that in rugby, and yet these two that took over Worcester failed fit and proper person tests in football when they, when it was Morecambe, I think, wasn't it that they tried uh, to this? Fight. Well, um, yeah. So the the the, um, the the story behind that is that basically one of them, I think it was Whittingham, um, had failed here. So he became he was struck off uh, as solicitor, and I can't remember the specifics of it, but there was some something that happened, and that then instantly me- means that he fails to fit in proper person test within the football league. Yeah. Um, but that didn't automatically mean the same in the rugby union, in rugby football union. No, but by all for, from everything I've seen, it, there <laughs> no, were no. no one's looked at it. So, no. <laughs> sort of irrelevant. Um, and yeah, Altrad couldn't take over us. Uh, but in a way, I sort of think that's a good thing. I said, okay, look, everyone dreams of having all this money and suddenly winning European championships and stuff. But I'd, I'd much rather just see us in a really secure position, being able to compete in terms of the number, the quality of players that we're bringing in. Yeah. And when we have a good setup and a good few years, we can challenge at the top. And there's no reason we're, we're not limited financially to an extent, I don't think, that would stop us doing well in European competition. Um, I mean, we're paying up to the salary cap, so it's more about have we got a really good setup? Are we attracting players for the right reasons? You know, there's so, and I think that can be sustainable across most, maybe not all, but most of the the Premiership clubs. I mean, there's some are going to struggle simply because of location and things like that. They just yeah. don't have a long term support base, and it's much harder to bring the money in just purely from attendances. But, um, yeah. I mean, we can go. We can talk about this for another. Couple yeah, of hours, I know it's, it's 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 uh... previous pods, but there's, I, 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 I think we just need to look at how do we make it sustainable, and if, if that means we spend a bit less on players, we reduce the salary cap for a yep. bit. We stop trying to chase these dreams of, you know, ultimately, yes, if you own Saracens and you're a billionaire, you want to be able to spend more money on players. But have a look at the wider game and what's good for the wider game and the the people that are in charge. I all the premiership clubs coming together to make these rules should say number one thing is, is this good for the game in the next 20 years? Yep. Not, is it good for the game in the next 18 months? Yeah. agree with that. Um, and, and to be fair, it kind of leads me on to the one thing I wanted to actually briefly chat about, which goes back to the premiership cup. And it was a discussion. I met, I, it was, they were mentioning it on, on five live about how do you, um, how do you develop rugby? How do you get crowds in? How do you develop, the sort of audience members and things like that, you know, audience figures and stuff like that. And the, the, the probably the easiest thing to do is if you are, if you, there's, there's certain things which we've discussed before about calendars and, and, and it, how it doesn't really work 
um, in terms of you've got the best, probably, you know, up, up between Premiership and Top 14, you've got the two best com- club competitions in the world in terms of league, league club competitions in the world. And twice a year in England, the best players bugger off and play international rugby, fine, but you still carry on with the league, which is nonsense. You know, it doesn't happen in any other sport. It's just stupid. So what you should be doing is if you're going to have a Premiership Cup and you want to make it a genuine, if you're going to continue the Premiership Cup and you want to make it a genuine competition that is brought in by all the clubs in the same way, you have to have parameters. So my suggestion would be uh, you can only you have to name 10 players in the, in the starting 15 that are under 23, um, that half the bench is under 23. Now, if you've got international players, they would have gone off anyway. Equally, you might have a few international players dotted around that are trying to come. The reason they're not in the in those squads is because either they've been injured, they've lost form, they can come in. But the bulk of the whole idea of that that uh, competition is it's young players. It's the future of the game, which they did kind of market a few years ago. The next thing is they need it needs to be played in the autumn international period and or the Six Nations. Pick pick one. I don't mind. Pick one, and um. And basically, the and, and any TV deal that you, as the RFU put in for you know, and, the, and all the unions put in, because um, I'm pretty sure the the Six Nations is agreed as a as a as a sort of collective, but then the Autumn Internationals is agreed by each individual union. I believe I may be wrong, and please, if anyone wants to correct me on that, they can do. But so, for example, the Six Nations, they should be looking, uh, or the RFU should be putting a stipulation in for England games. They have any broadcaster has to also tie in Premiership Cup games and that needs to be running, I don't know, the day before the England game. So if it's a England game it's on a Saturday, it's a Prem Cup game on a Friday, and you can just market it going, you know, stars of the future today, stars of today, tomorrow, you know, on a Saturday. And then the final, Premiership final, Premiership Cup final, sorry, is played either the week, the sort of the, the Friday before the final, fi- the round of fixtures, or if the final round of fixtures on a Saturday, it's played on a Sunday. You're trying to base it, and it's got to be terrestrial. It has to be terrestrial. Um, you know, you've got to get the most people see it, watching it as you possibly can. Um, they're my ideas. Please feel free to shoot them down, Snow, because I know your your very, your business mind is a little bit more acute than than mine. No, I think it's all solid, rational. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's the issue, though: solid and rational doesn't really yeah. normally work in rugby. But no. No, I, I just, I, I, you know, I just think it's if you're gonna, if we're gonna continue with it, you, because I've seen a few complaints on on social media with like the Gloucester squad that we put out. We have Johnny May, we have Pelledry in there, and all the rest of it. Now Pelledry mm-hmm. and May, ironically, you could argue were it's it's a, it's a reasonable thing to have them in the squad. They've not played any rugby or very little rugby. Uh, in in a few months, get them in the squad, get some game time. Um, but if you have other things in place, excuse me, if you have other things in place that um, uh, basically promote having the academy players and and younger players in the squads, it, that uh, and again, you say you you say to someone like Saracens or Northampton or Leicester, you know, promote these guys rather than playing um, your full internationals. Yeah. Yeah, look, so every other international side are jealous of the player base that England has because yeah. we have by far the biggest RFU, the biggest membership base, the biggest number of registered players. Um, 
So I think actually when you look when England were particularly bad, um, probably what fifteen years ago or something, yeah. the, the big issue was there weren't many English players playing in the league, and the sort of ironic thing is that if you set the salary structure and everything so that some players at the top of their game end up going for big money, you increase the number of gaps where these young players can can come in. So I think actually what we should be looking to do is how do we create a structure where we've got first teams that have got a lot of good English players and they're being picked because they are the best players in their positions that they can get for the money because you tend to pay less as well for homegrown yeah. players, especially if you've bought them through from a young Academies, age. yeah. And you've got an academy system that is properly funded and supported underneath it. And if it means that actually the the amount of money that the top players are making is a bit less, but you've got this big, big pool of English players, that will be better for the international game. If you've got players playing top class rugby week in, week out, and across the 12 or 13 sides, you've got a hundred English players that are that are playing at that level each week. Um, that is what will make for a, a, a top quality international side. Yeah, it's it's a weird one because there is a definite pull on either side of the argument about you say that you can only play for England if you play in England, which uh, you know, and it's definitely helped in terms of probably retaining a lot of these, uh, a lot of the bigger English players. But as you made the point last week, probably to a point that player drain probably quite unlikely in the in the first place because you know they, these guys are earning a certain amount there's only so many players that, that uh, places they can go to um the french have got a very similar system that now you have to play in france to to be a french international um so where are these guys going to go japan yeah all right fair enough but the yeah. standard standard of rugby is pretty awful and if you're being picked the reason why you're not going to get picked is because you're not probably playing at a level high enough so or the alternative is you say you can play wherever you want, um, but then again, if you do go off and earn mega bucks in down under or in Japan or France, well done, um, congratulations. But there's a load of English kids who can come up and follow you. Probably the argument why the Welsh idea didn't really work, in that they've only also only got four teams. So if you're a winger, yeah. you've only got you've only got you know um, sixteen places to 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 get into, um, and they're also allowed to bring in overseas players so even less but um yeah yeah i mean i think that was a nice sharp short pod i appreciate your time snowy um next week no next week hopefully a few more boys will be back i know jim's back from holiday i think loz is available russ hopefully will be available as well and yourself snowy we'll have a bath victory to celebrate we, uh, yeah it's amazing how quick how how uh how everyone will be definitely available if we put a bonus point on bath again um <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and and we'll again, I assume by this time next week, have a clear indication of what's happened to Worcester. There are reports that uh, liquidation is probably more likely than not. So that's a shame. We'll come back to it if we need to. Thanks again, mate. Appreciate it. No worries. Cheers.